Dear Gamecock Baseball, I'm proud of you. I recognize your hard work. You have brought joy to me and joy to my family. It's a big family, one that stretches all across the world, but most of us live within about 285 miles of each other. Many of us got to see you in person this year. The rest, they were with you in spirit. I hope you could feel that. I don't have anything against your peers and competitors. After all, I'm honored so many people enjoy what I have to offer. I'm very thankful for that. But you, you Gamecocks are my pride and joy. I've watched your persistence and admired your tenacity. You never quit. You never gave up. You always believed. And that is what I am all about. This is your time, your moment. But we all share it with you and live it through you. I hate that you have to leave me for this moment. And while I hear Florida is pretty this time of year, they say Omaha is paradise. So like I said, I'm proud of you. We'll be watching. And don't forget to stop back by on your way to paradise. Or Omaha. Same thing. Sincerely, the state of South Carolina. One more day until the Super Regionals are underway for South Carolina baseball as they head to Gainesville to take on the Gators in an all-SEC matchup. And we are thrilled to start or continue, I should say, getting you ready for that one tomorrow night at 6 o'clock on ESPN2. Welcome aboard Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com is where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee. JC, JB, and Phil will be joined by Chris from the Spurs Up show in less than a half hour. And then coming up at about 1230 this afternoon, he knows Omaha well and the Super Regionals. Blake Cooper, former All-American and one of the top two right-handed pitchers to ever put the uniform on in Columbia. He'll uh, he'll pop in and share some stories from the 2010 Super Regional and um, talk about Omaha. And he was at all the games last weekend as well in Columbia and get the eyes of Blake Cooper on the 2023 postseason South Carolina baseball team. So uh, certainly looking forward to getting him in here. We have not gotten into much golf this week with the live news, Phil, um, but we'll try to dabble in some of that. There's some football stuff out there. There's a lot of, once again, NIL nonsense going on here in the summer as the states and Congress and everybody likes to get involved. And uh, we'll see if we can't throw some of that into the mix uh, as well. But uh, with all that said, well, JC will be back in just a second. He's working on some technical things. But Phil and I can carry the load until he gets back. What's up? Doing well, man. Love the opener. It's exciting. Here we are. We're one day away from super regional action. And it really has been – this has been a, a really fun season. It's It's been one where I've been able to reconnect with – 
not just this team, but baseball in general. I've, I've you know, kind of renewed that passion that I have. So it's a thanks a lot, Gamecock baseball, for for bringing that back. It was such a huge part of my early years, and 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 now it's come back full circle. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, this is um, <clears throat> this this is. Uh, you can when you look across the super regionals, uh, you got the four games tomorrow: Florida and Carolina, Duke and Virginia, Oregon and Oral Roberts, Indiana State, TCU, and then of course Saturday: Wake and Bama, Texas and Stanford, LSU and Kentucky, Southern Miss and Tennessee. They're Texas, uh, TCU, Stanford, LSU, of course, programs. That are that are what you would call generally postseason staples have lots of tradition and things of that nature. Um, but th- this series, I mean, you know, no disrespect really to anybody else out there. There, there is just more star power in this one than any of the other eight supers that are being played this weekend, and it's a series that it's it's a, this is a great baseball series. Uh, dating back to the year, South Carolina leads the all-time series against the Gators, fifty-four to fifty-one. But you know, also dating back to two thousand, when Carolina kind of turned the page and became that national power, uh, they're forty and thirty-eight against Florida in this series. So it's essentially dead even. Um, they've won seven of the last ten. That's the good news. The bad news, they actually have lost their last five series down in Gainesville, um, 3-12 and 12 overall in that time span. But you do kind of throw all that stuff out of the window now. Um, and JC has mentioned a couple of times this week, and we'll certainly talk to Coop about it here next hour. You know, Florida took down South Carolina at the end of the 2010 regular season. And then the Gamecocks, you know, went on to win the College World Series uh, in 2011, I think was the last year Carolina won a series in Gainesville. And then they turned around and they beat them again in the in the College World Series. Uh, hats off, by the way, to, to Mike Gillespie and the ABC team in Columbia for doing a phenomenal uh, six or seven minute uh, pro, um, little program on that with a bunch of those names involved, um, you know, and and so Carolina has gotten the best of them in Omaha. They're 3-0 and against Florida when they head to the middle of America. They also beat them up there in 2012. But as Coach Kingston said on our show the other day, and he did mention it yesterday with the rest of those losers in the, pre- in the press. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, um, but he did mention again yesterday, and I think he's I think he's I think he's right. What happened in the regular season series has no burden on this at all for for either team. Florida is a different team than they were then. There were some things that weren't clicking back then that are now, like the bullpen. Um, Carolina has some things that they had then that they don't have now from a starting pitching standpoint, but they also uh, have some things now that they didn't have then. And and that's that's the that's the point of playing a long college baseball season is there's just so much that can change and and it's such a grind when you play in the toughest league in the country and you just have to be able to strap it up 
And this is one of those weekends, guys, where it doesn't matter. At the end of it, there will be no conversation to be had. JC, there won't be one conversation that will be had uh, from Florida's side of it or from South Carolina's side of it. You're not going to lock up and win this series, okay? One error might decide it, but it won't be the only deciding factor. The, the only conversation that will be had after you play this thing is this team's better than that team, and that's it. It won't be, well, they just had a better weekend. Nope, nope. When Carolina is mostly at full strength, which they feel like they're pretty close to it now or as close as they have been, you just have to be better than them to beat them. When Florida, with multiple top ten draft picks over the next couple of drafts, is full strength or playing well, you just have to be better than them to beat them. And that's it. So it's power versus power. And whatever happens this weekend, you either win or you lose. And, And that's what I just absolutely love about this series, guys. Yeah, I mean, once you get to this part of the tournament, I mean, it's uh, it's that's it. You either win or you lose. Um, I like where South Carolina's position from a pitching standpoint. Uh, I think starting with the Arkansas series, really going on through the, uh, I guess the, um, really in the SEC tournament too. I didn't have much of a of an issue. I know that LSU game, things kind of got away from them a little bit as far as who to put in there. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think the pitching's been better. You know, I think they kind of lost something a little bit with Kentucky and Auburn. Uh, certainly, you know, the Tennessee series, I think, was more about Tennessee's pitching. Uh, but but I, I think this th- these guys have been pitching pretty doggone well without Will Sanders, and Will Sanders obviously came back last week. So I like that. But you know what? If If, if – Florida is hitting dingers and going crazy and knocking it around the yard. It, it, it's just because they're better, you know, like you said. I mean, you know, this is a damn good team. South Carolina's playing in the Gators. Carolina's had their number in some big moments. It certainly has had their number the last couple of times they've been to Founders Park. But like you pointed out, Carolina had one down there since 2011. Uh, that's a long period of time. And just to kind of let you guys know, that was – in the middle of national championships and Steve Spurrier being at South Carolina. Will Muschamp was in his first year as the head coach at Florida in the year 2011. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's a yeah. long time ago. I mean, this is, uh, you know, I, I think this past weekend in the regional uh, gave this team a lot of confidence. Um, I read somewhere where, you know, people were – there's a little faction of fans out there where it's like, they still want to hold this Omaha or bust uh, banner up. Uh, it was never Omaha or bust. Uh, you know, I, I think, like I said, with regards to the Kingston era, had they not made it out of the regional, maybe there's a conversation. But, uh, you know, they did, and they did it in impressive fashion. And I don't care who likes it, who doesn't like it, who wants to complain. He's coming back next year, and that's absolutely the right call to make. You don't make a coaching change in this situation. You know, everybody wants to criticize Ray Tanner all the time. That would probably open Ray Tanner up for a lot of criticism. You just don't do it. You just don't do it when you're winning and headed in the right direction. Um, so win, lose, or draw, that's it. But, you know, there's a faction of these people out there that are saying, well, they didn't face anybody's ace the other week. So <laughs> I, I don't care. 
Florida, all three of Florida's pitchers are probably probably at least a little bit better than all three of the aces from those teams they played last weekend. You know, kid from Central Connecticut. I am kind of glad Carolina did not have to face him and got off to a good start. But, you know, these things are contagious. Keep in mind, South Carolina scored 12 runs against Florida in game one, five in game two, seven in game three. Now, that doesn't necessarily translate, like you said. But this team is bad to being confident at the plate. I like South Carolina's pitchers against Florida's lineup. It's not going to be easy. Um, and and I think I think this matchup, I, I would be more concerned if I were Florida than South Carolina just looking at the matchups. But I, I think the concern swings to Carolina because, as I've said many times in baseball, man, in this game, what goes around comes around. And, you know, it, it would almost make you feel better if South Carolina had not swept them. Oh, well, they're due. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but uh, I do think just, you know, looking at the matchups, you know, Carolina right now is playing really good baseball. I mean, Florida was – they were just okay, you know, in, in their in their regional. They didn't really have a team that could go in there and bat and hit the ball uh, like the Gamecocks. But um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know if you have the dimensions for that ballpark down there or not. The, what is it, the Condon family? Is that what it's called, Condon? Con, what's it called? Yeah. Con, what? Condon. 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 Careful. Not condom. <laughs> Careful. Uh, that's that's a yeah. that's a protected protected palace, right? If it's the condom, anyway. Um, <laughs> hats for bats, people. <laughs> anyway. And now, now, in case well, you're wondering why I have the Carolina Rise visor on instead of the UNLV visor, um, I couldn't find it, so I'm scrambling around trying to get it before we go on the air because I'm like, ah. It's going to be bad mojo. And then I thought about that line from Major League when he goes, I say F you, Jabu. I do it myself. <laughs> so I just said, I say F you, UNLV visor. I do it myself. I put on the Carolina Rise visor. But anyway, and I know my hair looks really crazy today. It's just uh, uh, I got up early this morning and did some work and had to do carpool, so just haven't had time to fix it. But uh, anyway. Phil, if that's, that's okay, uh, I'll, fi- I'll speak for the both of us. I was not wondering – about his visor today. That wasn't at the top of my uh, to-do list or had, of my program. But I'd said I'm wearing it until they lose. And I guess. Phil, if you'd like, if you'd like to chime in, just take yourself off of mute. And, uh, and then from there you can speak uh, freely. I, I was. Uh, oh, okay. Saying things that probably shouldn't be said. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I've actually, I'm actually looking at Condren family ballpark. It's, it's, four, it's four, it's 400 to dead it? center. Yeah. Uh, three thirty down the lines and uh, about three eighty in the gaps. So it, but it, it generally doesn't play that big, but um, it can. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's uh that's, that's, a, that's, that's a, that's a baseball part for you. I mean, it's bigger than than playing in Columbia. I mean, the key with Columbia is the ball flies out of the yard, but then there's also days coming off the river where that wind can take it one way or another, and it plays it, – you're trying to figure out how is the ball not leaving the yard here. Um, but then there's also some days in Columbia where the ball leaves the yard and you don't ever see it again, like ever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that- it's um, – who who had that one the other day that landed? Uh, oh, landed. Ethan Ethan Petrie yeah. hit a ball. Petrie, that, yeah. I've never seen it. Yeah, well, it, it it nicked the very top of the railing in left field, uh, cl- trying to clear the the stands. And I texted Derek. I said, Derek, I, I I've been in this place a, a thousand times or more, 
and I've watched a lot of balls leave the yard. I don't think I've ever seen one leave the yard like that. And uh, he said he he did quietly remind me uh, to left. No, um, the kid from Texas last year hit one that hit the ticket office uh, behind center. If you've ever been to Founders Park, there's a ticket office deep behind center field where you walk in, and it hit the top of the ticket office and bounced out of Founders Park, like onto the street that you drive down, like media parking, like where we go to park back by the river. That's how far that ball went, which is Looney Tunish. Um, and then, but then I've also, I had to remind myself, I have seen some balls leave the yard and right that did land out in the middle of William Street uh, or, or Tanner Way. Um, so, yeah, there's there's some that have left there. But Petries, I've never seen a ball leave left field like that. No, that was that was hammered. Oh, my God. That was hammered. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, so Lando Lakes, Florida, home of Ethan Petrie. Yeah, maybe a one good hour, omen this weekend. One hour and 55 minutes from Gainesville. Lando Lakes is kind of north of Tampa. And uh, right there in Gator country. So uh, I'm sure he'll be excited. His family will be excited to go kind of back toward home and um, and get after it. Um, I think uh, – I don't know, man. I, I got a weirdly good feeling about this weekend. I was sort well, of nervous last weekend. I got a pretty good feeling about this one. And I, I don't know why. I don't know whether it's because I've been talking about and writing about the history of Florida, South Carolina, and all sports. And the Gamecocks in the biggest of moments have been okay. You know, to me, getting to the Final Four, that's, that's a lot of pressure there, right? Uh, to me, winning the SEC East, that's a lot of pressure. To me, the National Championship Series is a lot of pressure. The Gamecocks have taken all three of them. But um, I don't know whether it's that, whether, you know, I kind of – Florida's one of those teams that tends to uh, – I don't know, you know, well, tends to look, mess things look, up when they're talented. I just don't – I don't know what to think. Yeah, no. I look. I I, I I feel pretty good about this matchup, honestly, and and and, and for for a multitude of reasons, though. Um, first of all, you know, I I'm expecting to see James Hicks get the ball tomorrow night, and that if he if James Hicks is uh, I mentioned this yesterday, if he's getting the low strike, and he is pitching the way that he has pitched the last couple of weeks, he's get regardless of how good this lineup, but he's going to give up hits. I mean, that's going to happen. Like, you, you might, you know, three runs, four runs on six, seven hits, something like that. Like, that's that's a that's a hell of a day against Florida. But, you know, he's a guy, when he's on, he can go deep because he is such a ground ball out dude, and it generally doesn't take him deep into counts to get one. And and so, you know, that's a, that's a good matchup. Um, Jack Mahoney has been pitching really, really well. And, you know, so it's, it's hard to look past those two guys, but, but in addition to that, you know, the, the lineup itself, I don't know, I, you know, they could get totally shut down tomorrow night as good as it was to see Will McGillis return. He, he, um, he did some things in game one that he didn't do in games two and three that he kind of needs to adjust a little bit and things like that. But, but, but collectively these guys felt like the pressure was off their shoulders. I've asked that question twice this week to King and Whittle. Okay, let me give you a little inside nugget here. I already knew the answer. You know, like, you know, it had been blatantly described 
to me is I don't need Will McGillis to go in there and go six, seven for 15 this weekend with three home runs. And I, I don't need that. I just need him in the lineup. I don't need Braylon Wimmer to go out there and be the tournament MVP. I just need him to play short because it just takes the stress out of the minds of everybody else. That's it. You know, they just feel like they don't have to do as much. And so there is a looseness about this team. They've had it all year long. It's even more so now. But let me add the, the cherry on top, and then we'll hit this break, and, and y'all can respond to it. Um, it is a good thing that they swept the Gators this year. Not a bad thing. Forget all that BS of, you know, like you like you often like to say, well, maybe, maybe – I hope they don't run out of runs. Well, you can never run out of wins. Win as many as you can. You know, score as much as possible. And you like, can't attack my baseball analysis skills, JB. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing. I mean, here. Hey, I'm um, lucky. I've I've learned what I've learned about the sport this year, man. Doing this show with you guys and stuff, man. Don't can't attack my my, my little formula. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Of course, that's why also I, I'm not Pete Rose. I don't bet on baseball because I'm terrible. Yeah, you don't. No, but to your point, JB, when you're when that committee's in there deciding who's going to be one of these host, you know, teams, I'll guarantee you that that series in the middle of the year is one they pointed at and say, "Hey, look, you put this team in the top eight, and when this other team was at full power, they swept them." So. Yeah. It's something on the resume that you can point back to, and it's like so. It's not. It's not for nothing. But at this point, it means nothing. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> it, has, it has zero impact on what's about to happen. But I'll, you know, I just not that I was in the meetings or anything, you know. But I would guarantee that that is one of the series Carolina played that they pointed to and said, "Here, this is a top sixteen team." Period. No doubt, and and they and they feel they 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 will use that series when when that happened. Th- this isn't like shoot, we beat them three times this year. It's going to be really hard to beat them five. That is not the mentality in that locker room yeah. <laughs> at all. It's not even like in the same stratosphere. That's like a fan fanboy computer geek thing, you know. That's the, me. They're, I'm money. they no. I didn't mean that towards you. Money ball. No, I, I, I already attacked you. <laughs> That is, they are on the total in other end of the spectrum of, well, we're just going to play Florida. Okay. All right. Let's go beat them. You know, that's it. And um, and that's the best way you can be in college baseball in a series like this. No question. So, um, with that said, can't wait to get Blake Cooper's thoughts on it uh, coming up here in just a little while as well in hour two. It is 1125. We do need to step aside for – a brief timeout, uh, but we will continue to get you ready for the Super Regional and much, much more. Painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. LemmyPaintSomething.com. If you're in South Carolina or Georgia, they're licensed in both. And Tristan Still and his family are awesome. And look at that sweet logo. If you're listening, try to watch us sometime just so you can see the, the helmet logo that they've come up with. It's really, really neat. Not to mention they are unbelievably well-priced, and they travel all over the Palmetto State and the Peach State, which shouldn't be named the Peach State because they only produce 5% of the nation's peaches. But that's for another day. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, we'll be right back. 
family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, All of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock-owned. Gamecock-operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Jakar Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. Welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you in the first hour by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty team. Here in the upstate, give Cindy a call at 864-414-5271 for all of your upstate residential real estate needs. She'll be happy to take your call and help you out like she has already some of our listeners. So what you got, JC? Said you got a couple of comments in the chat yeah, box you wanted to address easy, really quickly. Easy answers, so chat boxers don't feel like I'm ignoring them. BRC asked what carpool was. It is basically taking the kids to school or football practice or today taking the kid and his friend to football practice. BRC uh, must not have children. Yeah, that's just kind of <laughs> what that is. I call it carpool. It's... <laughs> And it's uh, it's something else. Uh, John asked, our boy John, who, who watches us on Facebook, one of our Facebook uh, questioners, 
has the starting position lineup for the Yardcocks been announced yet? Kingston said he's sticking with the same lineup, I believe. Yeah, Maybe well, not with us. I know on our show he said the batting order was going to more than likely be yeah. the same. Yeah. Batting order, yeah. So the position they won't, outside. John. They won't. Uh, they won't release that till about an hour before first pitch officially. Yeah, but I expect it to be the same. So, and Whittle said he'd, he'd be surprised if it wasn't. I mean, that was yeah. working. Braswell in the seven, and then you know, Tippett in eight, and Brewer in nine. I, I kind of like that better than the the bottom part of the lineup has been in the past. So that's it. And then, uh, of course, BRC, take your time, brother. Take Churchill your time. said. Take your time. Uh, yeah. yeah, no Don't rush. Worry about it, yeah, take, take your time. <laughs> uh, um, and of course, Churchill says JC running out of runs is about the same as Jack Leggett complaining about bat warming. I don't know, man. Oh, that, I'd like that to. Was a, that was a great day. I would like yeah, to have um, perhaps. Uh, God, I mean, I'll do a little scientific research on that. But I can come in here and be like the science. The science. Everybody's whining this about well, the science. These as days. it pertains to Clemson, you know, I, I had someone text me earlier this week and said, careful what you wish for, you know, because that, it, it – <laughs> well, I mean, I just laugh because I don't care. But, I mean, they wanted to run Jack out of there. They did it. And then they hired Monty. Oh, yeah, we're going to kick everybody's rear end with, with this guy. He's and, – and they – and Monty's – one of the best coaches I've ever been around, ever. Then they tied his hands behind his back up there as to what they wouldn't let him do. And then they run him out of town. And now they bring in Backitch, who's a hell of a coach. And then they put – they clear the Leggett thing, being back in the in the dugout. I'm, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, Coach Tanner, for instance, had bigger aspirations than just – retiring and not knowing what to do with his life like some others out there i could not dream of a scenario ever knowing coach tanner where he would say you know i think i just want to be in the dugout with you all year look over your shoulder and tell you what i think could you imagine (laughs) oh my god that would be the worst thing ever like yeah what about like yeah I guess the no one thing Backich has going for him is he could always tell Leggett just to shut the hell up because he didn't do shit. <laughs> what, what if, uh, what if uh, Billy Napier had Steve Spurrier on the headset? Well, they win. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, don't call that play, Billy. Shoot, <laughs> shoot. That's Billy? a loser play. Billy, you're fired. What are you doing? Let's bring Billy shoot. in his press conference see what he thinks. <laughs> Billy? Cool. And, yeah, Bobby, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about uh, Staley. Uh, here in a little bit, the receiver Clemson dropped in state. I thought that was fascinating news coming from Tiger Town uh, as it relates to in state recruiting this weekend. So uh, we'll see kind of what happens. Uh, Joey, uh, I, I don't. They just they control things, and you know, did you know, Monty so, bounce Florida out at College of Charleston one year? Oh God, I don't think they beat Florida. Um, gosh, I can't remember. I remember when he got thrown out of the game at Coastal. I tell him all the time. I'm like, there's all these Twitter accounts that you know bring up these famous days, and I sent him one one day. It was the one. Um, what was his name? Who was the coach of the Royals? Uh, who told everybody to get out of their office with dumbass questions, and he kept going oh, on. Yeah, uh, dude, uh, yeah, uh, hey, what yeah, was? Yeah. Uh, I'm ask questions. Yeah, McCray. Yeah, Al yeah. McCray. Al McCray. And I sent it to Monty, and he goes, "Yeah, I've seen. I just saw that not long ago." 
I said, we need to find that one of you getting tossed up in Myrtle Beach and bring that back to this day in sports because that was Yeah, we were talking about Coastal yesterday. They took Coastal. They lost one. They lost one. Uh, they lost by one run. Uh, they had beaten Coastal in that, that series and lost by one run in the final two games that Coastal advanced to play, host the Gamecocks. Well, so they got uh, hosed. They got hosed. Yeah. It was it was ridiculous what was going on out there. They were terrible, and then they had that call at first, and Monty had enough. And I didn't blame him. I mean, that was ridiculous. Um, yeah. But anyways. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's one of the best. All right, Chris Phillips with the Spurs Up show is in and ready, and we know, like the rest of us, he's fired up for the Super Regionals this weekend. And unlike last week where I just <laughs> toyed around and gave him no time to talk, we will not allow that this week. What's up, man? JC, JB, Phil, what's going on? Fired up for the weekend, man. Gamecocks and Gators, and I feel like this is how it's supposed to be. Best on best to go to Omaha, and it should be a fun weekend. That's right. Chris, Two I'm, Omaha I'm, teams yeah. battling for one spot. Mm-hmm. And, and Mark said that this week, and he's dead on, and 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 um, – Sully has said as much. Chris, I mentioned this earlier. You're not going to take any narrative out of this weekend other than one team was better than the other. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it, yeah. And, I mean, we'll see these two teams. You know, it's crazy to think back to, what was it, mid or late April or so when they met. And, you know, it feels like a lot has changed since then. You know, those two teams went two different directions after that series. You know, South Carolina did not win another SEC series. And Florida, of course, went on to be co-SEC champions. But uh, I think the Gamecocks guys, I think we'd all agree, are as close to that version of that team as they've been in quite some time. Um, with the return of guys like Braylon Wimmer back in the field, Cole Messina's 100%, Talmadge Lee Croy's back in his groove, Gavin Costas getting back. Guys, I was looking at the numbers, you know, Ethan Petrie in that series – if you recall, had eight RBI against Florida Gators in three games. I mean, he was on fire all weekend long. That's when he was on that tear, right? Uh, but guys like Braylon Wimmer had four RBI. Cole Messina had four RBI. So those supporting cast pieces as well were so big. And, and South Carolina, another thing, guys, a big fact in this one, they didn't have to face Brandon Neely in, in that last time they faced him because Neely was out due to the suspension when he yelled at the Georgia dugout. So that'll be a big boost for them as well. But, I mean, the Gamecocks just tagged Florida all weekend long now. You know, it's a new challenge. You got to go on the road to Gainesville, a place you hadn't won a series since 2011. And, you know, guys, it's really tough to, to beat a team five times in a season. And I, I'll say this, guys, if we get to the end of the weekend and South Carolina indeed takes this series and advances to Omaha, I mean, it, it'll go without saying, but it'll be safe to say that South Carolina was just the supreme team to Florida this season, and they proved it multiple times. So, I mean, it's going to be an electric weekend, guys. I think it's a series that has three games written all over it. Oh, I do, too. I do, too. Um for the Gators, Chris, it's been said and it's been said and it's been said and stressed and stressed and stressed out of their corner. And if you've watched any, not you specifically, but if anybody's watched Florida play baseball this year, if if their staff throws strikes, it's hard to beat them. I mean, they all all, all due respect to Wake Forest. If Florida's guys are playing their A plus game, I I like them in a series over Wake. Um, so in understanding that and understanding that the Gamecocks feel like their lineup is back where they kind of saw it to be. I know, you know, at the beginning of the year, Horning and and Denny were in there and and things kind of didn't really pan out the way they hoped, but other guys have jumped in and done their job. Uh, and knowing that their faults, their weaknesses and South Carolina's strength, how do you see that matchup? 
Yeah, I mean, JB, you hit the nail on the head, man. Florida's got three real dudes. You know what I mean? It, it's it's and it's not paying too much respect to the opponent or whatever. I think we have a tendency to, you know, you go into a series like this and you don't want to disrespect the opponent, so you give them too much credit. I, I don't think it's given too much credit, man. I think these are three real dudes, probably future first rounders with uh, Sprout, Waldrip, and, and Caglione. There's been some inconsistencies, right? There's been some consistency issues, especially with Caglione in the Sunday role. You know, we talked with uh, Florida guys last night, and they had mentioned Caglione's either red hot, electric, or he's just kind of all over the place. So, like yeah. you mentioned, throwing strikes key for them. But again, you look back at that series, and, you know, you give them all the credit in the world. But I mean, Sprout gave up four earned against the Gamecocks. Waldrop gave up five earned and Caglione gave up four earned. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I thought what South Carolina did so well in that first matchup is they were just ultra aggressive. I mean, obviously being at home, that was a team that was swinging it really well at that point, was really confident, and they're going to need to continue to do that. You know, guys like guys like Sprout, Waldrop, Caglione, they're going to make mistakes. It's just about punishing those mistakes when you do get them. And at that point, guys, of course, in the season, South Carolina was just not missing. I mean, they were seeing a beach ball at that point. So, you know, it's going to be a challenge, and we know, guys, this time of year what wins. It's great pitching, right? Great offense is a great thing to talk about, both these teams, which I think, guys, both of these teams are really, really similar. But, uh, you know, we've seen South Carolina, Florida in the postseason, and I feel like it's great pitching that always shows itself, and Florida feels confident with that. They've got their guys uh, on the home rubber. So, you know, it's it's going to be high velocity. It's going to be nasty stuff. But, it's again, it's nothing that South Carolina hasn't seen before. And the last time they saw these Gators starters and this entire Gator staff, they they fared pretty well. So, uh, I, I think this will be a team that will come in with a lot of confidence. But uh, it, it's going to be a battle all weekend for sure. I think something to keep an eye on here, too, is – and let everybody remember this. Carolina will be the home team in game two. Um, which is a really good sign for throwing Jack Mahoney in game two. Uh, he's He's been pretty good when they're at the home team, right, if you go back and look at the record. Um, Will Sanders seems primed to be coming out of the bullpen this weekend. Uh, he he had a good outing against the Gators. Matter of fact, I thought after that one, I thought, well, okay, he's he's kind of getting back on track here. And, and then we all know what, what happened from there. But you mentioned Neely. Mm-hmm. I, Will Sanders, I, I – I can't remember a year, I really can't, uh, when it comes to Super Regionals, Omaha on the line, where where this Gamecock baseball team had, uh, of their top five or six options, like one of them cemented in. I mean, generally this time of the year, you've just gone through four months of baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, you figured out your roles and you <laughs> hope everybody's clicking at the right time. It's like they're reinventing roles here in June, and that seems to rarely work, but it just shows the the depth of this staff when they're healthy. Yeah, I mean, you look at what Will Sanders has done, JB, against Florida. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves, right? 18 innings pitch, I think the ERA is two, and he's something like 29 strikeouts and and eight walks. So, you know, I, I said it last week at this time going into the regional, and I'll say it yet again, expect the unexpected when it comes to the Gamecocks pitching staff because I, I we all know Mark Kingston's a guy. He loves to play the matchups. He looks at the numbers. He looks at the analytics. And, of course, when it's a team like Florida that you have literally already seen at one point. And, again, how much different does the rotation look now, right? I mean, it was Will Sanders who was starting game one against Florida back in April. And then you had Jack Mahoney in game two. He was special. And then in game three – 
Matthew Becker actually went out and threw five innings pitch, two earned runs, and he was really good. Then you had James Hicks in game three in relief, Eli Jones in game two in relief. So a lot of the same supporting cast, but it's just probably going to look a little bit different this weekend. So again, on the bump, you've had success as well. And, um, you know, I, I like it. You know, if I was joking yesterday, I, if I was Sully and Kingston, I'd, I would just release my rotation as TBA, TBA, TBA. Like, why even tell anybody? Like, why even say anything? You know, at this point, it's peak gamesmanship. And I mean, just keep the opponent guessing, why don't you? But real quick, JB, because obviously I do think the key to this weekend is pitching and who gets the most out of that pitching staff because both teams can swing it. But back to the offensive side and something I was just looking over, South Carolina, JB, drew 24 walks in that first series against Florida. Like, Like when you think about why they were successful and why Gator pitching struggled, there you go. I mean, you talked about throwing strikes, and I mean, it's hard not to have a good weekend if you draw 24 walks and you factor in the guys you have already in your lineup that can mash those dudes in. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, if South Carolina can show that patience yet again at the plate, they're going to have a lot of success. But, you know, on the other side, throwing strikes, you know, not giving the Gators any help. This is a lineup that holds their own for sure. And guys like Jack Caglione, Wyatt Langford, Josh Rivera, the list goes on and on of the big bashers they have. So, um, you know, South Carolina's going to need to be sharp on the bump and play great defense, which, guys, I think is something being sort of slept on. Carolina did not make an error in the Columbia Regional. We kind of saw defense be sort of shoddy at times. Great pitching, great defense is what wins in the postseason. They'll need more of that this weekend. Mark, Mark my words. Anybody that's willing to listen, mark my words. When you watch this game tomorrow night, watch the strike zone. If they're giving – who I don't know who's going to be behind the plate. You know, the NCAA is so screwed up that everybody's got umpires that are associated with every league, and then you get to the postseason, they send some jerk here from Oregon half the time. Except for the guy in the Campbell game. He's the worst SOCON umpire in the history of the league, but somehow he was calling a regional in Columbia. Um, but, it, guys, if 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 – if Hicks is on the bump tomorrow night and he's getting the low strike, that's a damn good sign for South yeah. Carol for for South Carolina. That's a damn good sign for South Carolina if he's getting that. Mm-hmm. Um, if if he if the guy behind the plate is tight, and most of them have been this year, and I would think in a super regional if that's what they're grading umpires on, that's what you're going to see. That's another good sign for Carolina because one of their their keys to offense is do not expand the zone. Uh, like frustratingly keys to offense, as in like how many times have we watch them take call third strikes? Yeah. We're like, well, sometimes you got to battle, you know. I mean, you can't just. But Florida, on the other hand, as you just pointed out, they'll walk guys. So if, if they're nibbling and they're not getting it, and Hicks is able to pepper the bottom of that zone, that's a great matchup for Carolina. Yeah, I mean, Hicks with that sinker, man, it's it's just deadly. And, again, the way he's, he's stepped up, by the way, over the last couple of weeks, over the last month or so, stepping in that starter role, and it's, it's you know, it, it's, it says something about a guy when you're able to, you know, ask him to do different things, come out of the bullpen, be a midweek starter, go back to being a weekend starter, pitch some of the biggest games you've had in your season, and he's able to just continue to just consistently kind of be the same guy over and over and over again. So, I, I mean, I do expect, guys, I'm sure you all do as well, that it will be James Hicks tomorrow followed by Jack Mahoney on – Saturday, and then you kind of figure it out, I think, in game three. And, guys, I, I think for Carolina, it's key if they're going to win the series. I, I think they need to win the first two. I, I think if it goes to a game three, you know, it, it goes without saying, but it favors the home team. You know, it favors Florida, and I think it also favors them with their pitching depth, having Caglione on the bump. But, uh, you know, you mentioned, JB, I mean, the the 
the umpire zone, it, it's going to dictate a lot this weekend. Because, again, if it's a wide zone, wide, you know, high and low as well, and James Six will be able to work with that and, again, keep the ball low. And, you know, he's filthy when he's keeping it down because of the sink yeah. on that baseball. And, uh, you know, if it's a tight zone, we might see a lot of runs. You never know. But, uh, again, I, I do think pitching is going to rule the day. We'll see what they get in regards to umpiring. I, I keep my expectations, JB, pretty low when it comes to uh, umpiring crews these days. So, I know. Me too. It's it's deflating to watch it. So. <laughs> How about uh can, can can somebody here, Phil? Can we put this on your back? Can you make a Gavin Costas home run call for us this weekend? We got to get this guy to twenty. He's been sitting on nineteen for six really, months. I know he he really needs to get in there, but mm-hmm. you you know what's I think crazy? he does it. I think he does it. I mean, because if you look, he, I mean, his bat came back alive this weekend. So the next yeah. step is dingers. <laughs> dingers. That's, that's what Michael Flint's little boy says. I'm just here to hit yeah. dinger. Kid's five. Just here to hit. Dinger. Um, I uh, this I mentioned it to King. Yes, when did we have King on yesterday? I don't Two. know who it was. Tuesday. But it didn't matter. Two um, days ago. Yeah. It, in the Campbell game, Casas, uh, Cas Casas burned one in the gap. I think, or maybe he went down the right field line. I can't remember now. And Monty looked at King. By the way, we outside of Wingo, I told Wingo, I said, you got to figure it out, dude. We have the most fit coaching staff in college baseball between Monty, King, and JP. And then you got Wingo, who the, the beer is starting to fill up down there. Um, <laughs> but but M- Monty punched King in the arm, and King turned around, and then they dapped up. There was something. That's why I asked him what it was, and I, he gave us kind of a fluff answer. of well, It was all clicking. There was something that was missing with Casas. Hmm. And and I think they finally felt like they had – he was – this is just my uneducated opinion here, guys. But y'all remember all those balls for the last month that he's just been pummeling 100 feet foul down the right field line? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then and then he and then he squares a few up over the weekend and he flares them out into left center and right center and then he rips one down the right field line. I think that because he kept that ball fair, there's something there that they've been working on. So – I'm a, that's then that's your call, Phil. You've got him to twenty this weekend, <laughs> is what you're saying. You got him to twenty, and yeah, I'll throw it out there. Yeah, okay. He All right, this weekend. Let me mm-hmm. let me text uh, let me text King and say, hey, Phil's yeah, just got Casas Phil... at twenty. Yeah. Let um, me let me ask you this, JB. Is that your key guy? I think we all agree. No. Ethan, Ethan Petrie needs to have a big weekend. Yeah. But outside of him, who would you say is the guy that Messina? Like if, Messina. Okay. Yeah, I, I Chris, I think that this, this it's a weekend for the stars. Yeah. I mean, right? Isn't that oh, absolutely? Is, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if Florida is going to win this series, I think they need Caglione to go off. It's it's absolutely. It's pretty simple. Yeah, and I and what I love about this series too is it really is just, you know, it's it's. I don't think one team is necessarily going to expose a major weakness of the other. Like these are two really strong ball clubs, and it just simply comes down to execution. It, it, that's just really what it comes down to because both of these teams are high quality. I mean, you don't get to this point if you're not, but I would agree with you, man. Cole Messina or Braylon Wimmer would probably be my yeah. two options. And again, you mentioned Messina. And I think what he does behind the plate, you know, handling this pitching staff is very underrated. And if you don't believe me, just check out some of the times when, you know, not picking on anybody, but when he isn't back there, it's just noticeable. You know what I mean? So, uh, and he's the heart and soul of this, this ball club. I think he's the emotional leader. He's the leader in the clubhouse and, uh, again, he also had a really good weekend against Florida when they were in uh, in, in Columbia. So I, I would agree with you. Cole's one of those guys. Bray Lumer. I, I also look at Will McGillis, man. I, I just feel like the lineup looked night and day different with him in that totally. leadoff spot. And, uh, you know, it's like I knew that South Carolina missed his presence, but seeing him there, it just, 
I don't know, like my confidence level in the lineup just exponentially increased seeing uh, seeing six lead off. Well, I can tell you what they're going to do to him. Slider, 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 <laughs> because he was having a tough time in those yeah. last couple of games staying on it. Hit that first A-B when he lined the one in the right field. Mm-hmm. I tapped Blake Cooper on the shoulder. I said, Coop, that's the best thing we could have seen out of this cat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, and then they made some adjustments NC State did and Campbell did. He 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 got a hold of a couple, mm-hmm. but they did make some adjustments. But no, no, I, I I just I don't think this is like when you talk about the series. I'm not sure that there's like there's no like um, there's no backdoor conversation. Well, let me tell right. you about this matchup. No one's paying attention to it. <laughs> no, no, your best players have to play their best or you lose. I, mean, I just don't see any other way around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's best on best again, and it's that's. I mean, that, that's what makes this weekend special, man. I mean, it's just two of the best ball clubs, I think, in college baseball. And, again, South Carolina's as close as they've been in quite some time to that team we saw in the first 40 games. And, and I think – I will say I think one thing that we can't predict and it's sort of hard to talk about, but this weekend it's just like the intangibles, guys, and the baseball gods. And I know that, that might sound kind of crazy, but, like, we saw it before, man, 10, 11, and 12. I mean, I'd go back to 2011 when Carolina played Florida in the uh, the College World Series final I don't know that that 11 team was necessarily more talented than Florida. I mean, it was close, and 11 was a really, really good team. But there's been a lot of matchups, I feel like, on the diamond where maybe Florida had the more big leaguers or they were the more talented team, but South Carolina just found a way, like truly epitomized the win anyway. So it's like who's getting those breaks this weekend and who isn't, who's making those key plays and who steps up and is a hero on one side or the other. It's, I mean, that's what makes the game of baseball so special, as you never know, right? Who could have predicted what – what Michael Roth did, who could have predicted the season Blake Cooper would have had in 2010, who could have predicted uh, Robert Barry and Jake Williams, like who could have predicted, you know, Scott Wingo, those plays he made, like those are just things you cannot predict going into a weekend like this. And again, it'll be interesting to see, man, you know, this time next week, we'll sort of be talking about the the heroes that were and and hopefully talking about a uh, start, the start of a run in Omaha. The Jake Williams throw to this day, I still (laughs) – I, I knew it was over when that ball was hit the left field. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, like I told you, I talked to Florida guys last night, and they brought that up, and I had to rub salt in the wound because I told them, I was like, guys, you probably don't know this, but I've, I've talked to many guys that were his teammates. I've talked to him specifically. They will all tell you that he had the worst arm on the team. I mean, Age Morales sat on my show and said, and, he, and this is how he started the conversation. He goes, Jake Williams – did not have a good arm. Like that, no. that was just the start of it. Like, you know, Terrible. just let's go ahead and get that out there. And he made the was throw of noodle. his life, made the throw of his life. So, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it couldn't have been any yeah. better. Even like Barry, because uh, he had started to catch later, you know, more in the season, and he kind of comes up the line to get it a little bit. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. You, you got to buy as much room yeah. as you can. Don't go way out there and yeah. go get it. You know, let it come to you. And I don't know how the hell that happened still. I, I that the Virginia I mean, those things that happened that year were just things like that, that to make a run like that, you've got to have some things that just happen that are beyond comprehension. So uh I, I mean I'm not saying that Carolina needs the stars to align to beat Florida. They've shown they can beat Florida, but you know, realistically, man, to make a run to win a championship, you, you need the ball to bounce your way and you know, just hoping that Uncle Moe's in our dugout this weekend. Yeah, well, before we let you run, I'll tell you uh, one other real quick one that was uh, in, at the game this weekend. I was talking with him, with one of my old roommates, Jay Brown, and to this day, he still laughs so hard when they he was he was supposed to get the ball against Clemson in the 2010 World Series, and that's what he was expecting, and he was on pins and needles, not nervous, 
just hoping they were about to walk in and say, all right, Jay, you're going tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And um, and keep in mind, that's a guy who finally put it together. You got Coach mm-hmm. Tanner's thousandth win up at Virginia – or Virginia, Vanderbilt after getting healthy. And Calvi walks in at midnight, Ross playing video games because they were roommates. <laughs> and he said, Jay, uh, sit down for a minute. We're going – I need you to be ready tomorrow. We're going to start Roth. Um, we just we just think there might be a better matchup here, and Jay was like, ten out of ten people generally like, oh, I got to start against Clemson tomorrow with a chance to, mm. oh, okay, you know, like that oh crap moment. Roth didn't even look at him. He kept playing video games. He says, it "Sounds good, coach," and just kept hitting video game buttons on his little controller. <laughs> no big deal. Guy goes throughout. Yeah, next day he becomes a legend. You know, like that's the type of team that they had. I mean, it's just crazy. Mm. And Jay Brown never pitched again because Michael Roth went the distance. Yeah, you, you, Michael Michael Roth is arguably living proof that life is made for those who are blessed with a lack of self awareness. True. Yeah, because, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Pitching against Clemson in the College World Series was no different than pitching against I don't know College of Charleston in a midweek. Man, that just yeah. you know, unbelievable. Yeah. Chris, uh, enjoy your show today. Uh, I know uh, today and tomorrow are going to be a lot of fun. Uh, continuing to get people prepped for a wonderful, wonderful Super Regional. Thanks for being on, bud. Good stuff. Yeah, JB, JC, Phil, appreciate you guys. Let's have one hell of a weekend, man. Y'all take care. Yes, sir. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Uh, There you go. Yeah, a lot of stuff in the chat box here, too. We remember all of it like it happened yesterday. Um, Clint pointed out the scoop on Wingo's first throw home. And I can tell you, from being a catcher, at a high level, and I'm not speaking to bring myself into the conversation. I'm just telling you there are two things that happen on that play. One is the scoop backhand, which is really difficult to make with a catcher's mitt because the heel and the way that it folds. Number two, Barry made the biggest boo-boo of all boo-boos. If you're going to take your mask off, throw it. Get the, get it the hell out of the way. And he dropped it in front of home plate. And that ball was one inch from hitting the mask and ricocheting in the foul territory in which they would have lost the game. And, um, and you know, it, but it did it because Scott Wingo just has, you know, that, that he'll tell you, well, I, mean, I meant to throw it there. Yeah, of course you did. Um, but, like, that's a no-no. You don't ever drop your mask around home plate. You toss it. You get rid of it. Try to hit the guy in the on-deck circle. And he did not do that, but it sure did work out uh, for Carolina. So, anyway. Um, all right, it's 11.57, so uh, we still have our final break. So, let's hit our final break here. Again, Blake Cooper is coming up in about a half hour. He dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! 
You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182 Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball, and inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by travelingcountryclub.com. So if you all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options and go Cox. Welcome to travelingcountryclub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to travelingcountryclub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. Dear Gamecock Baseball, I'm proud of you. I recognize your hard work. You have brought joy to me and joy to my family. It's a big family, one that stretches all across the world, but most of us live within about 285 miles of each other. 
Many of us got to see you in person this year. The rest, they were with you in spirit. I hope you could feel that. I don't have anything against your peers and competitors. After all, I'm honored so many people enjoy what I have to offer. I'm very thankful for that. But you, you Gamecocks are my pride and joy. I've watched your persistence and admired your tenacity. You never quit. You never gave up. You always believed. And that is what I am all about. This is your time, your moment, but we all share it with you and live it through you. I hate that you have to leave me for this moment. And while I hear Florida is pretty this time of year, they say Omaha is paradise. So like I said, I'm proud of you. We'll be watching. And don't forget to stop back by on your way to paradise or Omaha. Same thing. Sincerely, the state of South Carolina. Way it should be. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Definitely. Everything's back to normal. We mentioned <laughs> at the beginning of the year, there's one team in this state that you judge college baseball by every year. It's this team. No offense mm-hmm. to anybody else, but the success of college baseball in South Carolina isn't judged by anybody but how South Carolina does, period. And that, yeah, that ain't changed. That's true. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it was, it was you know, nice for Coastal to win that uh, natty, but. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they had a, they had a hell. They've got a great program. I've always had a lot of respect for them. Yeah, but in February, all lies aren't on Conway. <laughs> well, JC, let's switch to some football uh, recruiting. What are we looking at here on this uh, this Staley kid out of Aiken, wide receiver? Braylon Staley. Okay, so interesting enough. <laughs> now this is this is Don's son or no? I, <laughs> Oh, this is Deuce's nephew. He's uh, related to Brian, Brian, Brian Staley, who played at Clemson. Um, subject of, oh. I think, I think I'm Brian Staley was a Holtz-Bowden recruiting battle out of JUCO. Uh, ended up going to Clemson. Uh, so give the backstory real quick, guys, though. What what has changed with this young man in the last 24 hours, first of all? What, why is Well, it, Clemson dropped it, him, basically. Clemson... Uh, I'm sure you guys have noticed they got a five-star receiver out of Texas and a four-star receiver out of Florida. Apparently, they're only taking four, two receivers this year. Honestly, looking at their roster and now their new offense, I, I would, would have expected them to take a little more because uh, really they've got you know, Antonio Williams and Adam Randall from in-state are going to be really good. It, it does seem to me that like Clemson may should have learned its lesson about in-state receivers that they – allegedly like, um, but Clemson dropped him. They told him, according to a report from Phil Kornbluth, that they were full after getting those two kids. And so uh, it's like Miami and some other teams. Um, he's rated too high, I think, by our people at 24-7 and maybe some others. Uh, he's not as egregiously bad of a ranking as Troy Stevenson, which – and I and I hate it because we're dealing with kids. And I don't want to knock – not kid, you know, high school kids that are out there playing football. But – 
uh, some of these rankings make zero sense. I mean, in a world where Troy Stevenson and, and, and Braylon Staley don't have any in-state offers and they're ranked ahead of Cam Pringle, who had not only both in-state schools, but Ohio State, Georgia, uh, Michigan, Tennessee, Southern Cal, I mean, you name it. Well, that's some people have these two guys ahead of, of um, Cam Pringle, and I don't understand that at all. It's one of the most baffling ranking decisions I've seen in my career, similar to when someone uh, at an old company that no longer exists called Sammy Watkins an average slot receiver. That's how bad I think this is and how bad it's going to turn out for whoever's ranking. But that's okay. Sometimes I'm wrong. And sometimes people that I don't think know what they're doing are right. Uh, You never know. It's, It's an inexact science. So Clemson dropped him. As far as South Carolina goes, they feel like they're getting better guys than what he is, even though he's fast. Uh, I think they kind of thought he was going to Clemson the whole time. Um, He's a little on the small side for the SEC. Uh, They have a smaller guy in Jonathan Paler that uh, they're in very good shape for. I mean, he continues to name the Gamecocks uh, number one, and he's kind of that diminutive slot guy. Uh, Maisie Bennett's kind of on the skinny side, if you want to be truthful about it. Um, so maybe they're, they're probably looking for like a little bit different body type. They're limited with space as well, but you know, South Carolina under Beamer, they're, they're very, very careful. And uh, Spurrier used to do this too. And, and Holtz did it to a certain extent as well. Muschamp got away from it early because they did offer some in-state guys. They ended up backing off of and dropping. But, uh, at the end, he, he was kind of saying, well, you don't offer an in-state guy you're not ready to take. Uh, same same thing's true with Marcus Downs from Riverside, the D lineman. They just don't know. I mean, they just they they just don't know that he's a no brainer. And you want to make sure you trust your evaluations. Take no brainers. Justin Step has evaluated talent very very well uh, during his career at SMU, Arkansas, and now South Carolina. So he knows what he's looking at. But um, so I uh, I don't know. I think that. Uh, it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, he's probably going to go out of state. There have been receivers from this state that have left the state with no offers that have ended up in the NFL. Jalen Hyatt is the most recent. So uh, Quinshad Davis, I think, was another one that went to North Carolina from Gaffney. So uh, receivers in this state, I, I think sometimes the in-state schools maybe if you want to know a position they make the most mistakes at with in-state kids it's it's receiver Mm -hmm. uh which is amazing because both schools have sent a ton of receivers both in and out of state to the nfl i mean look at the guys from clemson and carolina that have not only gone to the nfl at receiver but have starred you know right now you still have debo samuel sammy Watkins is still well sammy Watkins is from in-state debo samuel's from in-state mike williams is from lake marion in-state deon new hopkins trying to find a new home but i'm sure he will um, you know, Brian Edwards is still out there. Shai Smith is still out there. Uh, it's a, it's a state that does produce a lot of receivers. It's just the recruitment is weird. Um, and this is another kind of weird thing that you kind of go, well, I don't know. But I, I, I personally am going to err on the side of, mm, you know, <laughs> South Carolina didn't jump all over him early and they combed the state early. Clemson comes in, but apparently wasn't that high on their board. Uh, Sometimes that tells you something. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. As far as the size thing goes, you know, uh, I forgot to mention Jaden McGowan at Vanderbilt 
who uh, was really good for them last year. He's a littler guy from the state of South, from Lawrence, South Carolina, but he can fly. Uh, so maybe you're missing out on a guy like that. I, I just don't. Uh, I just don't think that uh, you know. I, I just. I don't know that when a kid. Anytime there's a kid with the, where there's two major schools in the state that recruit at a high level, both in the top ten, and they 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 aren't going on a kid. Uh, to me, as an evaluator, that was that was sort of a red flag. Sometimes maybe I'd sneak him in if it was a big state like Georgia or Florida or Texas. Yeah, you throw him a low four star or something, uh, and kind of go from there. You know, I'm not saying it's the end all be all, but there's something up. Uh, so, no, I don't expect he's going to end up at Carolina. Uh, I don't expect he's going to end up at Clemson now unless, you know, the Tigers lose a guy. Like the kid from Texas was, I mean, uh, sort of a surprise. I also hear that Clemson could get five-star receiver Mike Matthews. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's another thing. They may not – I mean, they may still take another receiver. That may be what they're they're counting on is, you know, Matthews coming in because I, I heard some good news for them the other day about him. He's from Georgia. But – you know, I, 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 I think if you're a game from a Gamecock perspective, you're recruiting so well in the state of South Carolina right now. Let them screw up. No skin <laughs> off your back. I mean, let them let them screw up. And uh, I don't think that this program is at a at a point where, oh, the the mighty Clemson Tigers. Oh, oh well, we're just, you're just like like if Georgia had said we're full, uh, and Carolina gets Cameron Mickle, yeah, that's a no brainer. I don't think an in-state receiver that you've already evaluated and passed on for whatever reason is reason to go jump at it just because, just because at one point he had a Clemson offer. Um, right. So that's what the deal there. Quantrell says Mike Matthews is going to Tennessee. We will see about that. Uh, and I would not worry about Mazio Bennett in South Carolina. My, Ryan Bartow is a friend of mine, and he called a lot of crap on the Big Spur. Uh, and, and he it was all, he was almost kind of laughing, ha-ha. He, he wasn't. Yeah, he he saw the the article that was out, and that writer was just trying to stir the pot a little bit. Hmm. Um, he was joking around with me about it. He's, he 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 wasn't. They're not confident in Tallahassee. They're going to flip Franks or Bennett, either one. Um, so uh, <clears throat> you know that uh, I wanted to kind of explain that. Uh, there's no worry. Uh, and Cam Johnson asked, uh, "How do you sit with Amari Adams?" The class of 2025 defensive tackle who also dropped in the rankings inexplicably. Who knows? Uh, Bruin says, um, Bruin says that, uh, that he's going to South Florence. So he, uh, I did hear he was changing schools, but, uh, he was at uh, what Lake city last year. So, um, I think the Gamecocks are in excellent, excellent shape with him. I mean, Hale McGranahan's already put in a crystal ball for him. Uh, look out if you're looking at 2025 D line. Remember this D line heaven. The kid from uh, from Blythewood could be the next guy that gets an offer. Big, big, strong defensive end. So onward and upward with D line recruiting. Right, it needs to get uh, better. The more players they need to get deeper there. So um, Craig asked about Amari Jefferson. I was asked about that on Bill King today. I don't think South Carolina leads. <clears throat> I do think they can get an official visit. Uh, Eric Kimry. You know, he can't tell kids where to go, but he can, uh, you know, he, he can encourage them to visit his alma mater. And I, I, uh, I think that the longer that one goes, maybe the, the better Carolina's chances. But he's a really good player. So uh, we'll see kind of uh, kind of what happens there. Livingstone, 
going to be hard to beat Texas on him. Uh, Paler, uh, he continues to visit everywhere else and publicly named Carolina his leader. So unless this is a Dontavious Braswell-style troll job, you remember Braswell? Sure. Put out his top four and the Gamecocks weren't in and he commenced the Gamecocks. Uh, which I don't think it is. Uh, I think the Gamecocks are in good shape with him. And Daniel Hill, the four-star running back out of Meridian, uh, had some really good say visits LSU, comes back, talks to Phil Kornblut and says, South Carolina's where my heart's at. They're number one. I love South Carolina. South Carolina loves me. Blah, blah, blah. There's just a lot of love. Love is in the air. That's 1,000 boxes of Jello pudding. Oh, yeah. So, Daniel Hill, right? Y'all remember that skit? Yeah. I'm Barry Bourgeois. It's all about love. I want to have 400 boxes of Jello pudding. Oh, yeah. Nobody remembers that. Come on. I think it was on the state or something like that. So, um, and I'm sorry. This is part of your recruiting. Uh, this is part yeah, of your recruiting. So, uh, I'm mixing a little, uh, a little <laughs> sketch comedy there. Sure a little I sketch comedy I just with your that recruiting name. analysis. Barry right. Bourgeois. I'm Barry Bourgeois. Bourgeois. So uh, so we'll see see what happens. Inside information like that on any other show in America. No, you don't get a Barry Beauchois reference or or 99 boxes of Jello pudding. By the way, I just want to give a shout out to Carolina Rise for my pin that I'm using today. That's awesome. You got the pin. That's nice. I've got the Garnet Garnet Carolina Rise pin here, as you can see it twisting around. By the way, we decided on what what we're going to grill tomorrow. Uh, oh, making okay. Korean barbecue style sliced beef with kimchi, oh. and oh, we're going to have bratwurst. So, uh, okay, right. you, know, you kind of uh, you kind of saved the baseball. I mean, I was wondering what, about that. I was, you know, Korean style barbecue for college baseball is, you know, no, you know, it's, it's Korean barbecue style. Like, have you ever been to a Korean barbecue? Now, well, no, I admit I, this I'm is a, a new thing for me guy. too. But it's uh, you, you get it, JC, you bring the meat, you cook it in front of you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let, let me let me ask you a, a quick question though. Um, do your uh, do your friends in Chicago do they invite you to a cookout or a barbecue? It's they call it grill out. It's well, that's grill. okay. That's all right. Grill okay. out. Okay. Right. I, I don't. Right. I don't. I don't ever hear them say come to a barbecue. Okay. And then right, no, man, like they, they kind of keep in mind the food. Uh, you just the food up like, here is really, really good. You know, so barbecue to them is bar like barbecue to us. They, uh, Chicago's got yeah. actually really good ribs. If you uh, you know compared to yeah, no, I've heard that. Points. Well, I, I just yeah. I, I I got I just this happened. I, I I this has been fifteen years ago or more, probably twenty years ago, and it happened one time to me where I was invited to. To, to, to barbecue and I got over there and they were having hot dogs and hamburgers. And I, I said, Oh, I thought y'all were making barbecue. And they're like, well, I, like confused. Like I had three heads. I was like, okay, now wait a second. You don't dude. When you say barbecue, you better have barbecue. Yeah, don't invite me for cooking. barbecue. And give me a freaking hot dog. Like, you know, I'm going to, I wanted to, I wanted to kill somebody. I did kill a man. Brick killed a guy. Um, it was, it was very frustrating. So like, we've got a couple of, we got a couple of Yankees that live in the neighborhood and they'll say, I think it's time to time. Maybe it's a Northeastern or 
California thing, or Western. Yeah, I just thing, wanted to make sure because I, I know Chicago's a melting pot for food, and I, that's what I really appreciate about it. But like, I've had some people invite us over. You want to come over for barbecue? I'm like, oh, and I'll always ask them. You, you're going to smoke a bud? Or are you doing ribs? Or you're thinking about cheeseburgers? Oh, that's called a cookout. Yeah, you're in South Carolina. Yeah, so don't do that crap here. again. Yeah, I mean they'll just say what they're having. You want to come grill burgers on the grill? It's a very steak. frustrating thing, as you can tell. I get fired up. It's like slow drivers in the left lane. Get the hell out of the way. Well, I mean, the, the days you yeah. can grill up here are so numbered. I mean, like, like, like I would never grill when it's fifty degrees outside exactly, of South Carolina, Craig. But up here, it hits forty nine and it's sunny. I'm grilling. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's my just shorts. a different <laughs> the weather. I put my shorts on, and I'm like, "Hey, oh, what's he, up?" My here leg, we go. Legs Way are to blinding go, everybody. You reminded him he was speaking out of voice. He needed to That's get right. Yeah. <laughs> and my in my shorts. But now, well, I, I, I'm never right. I agree with you. I'm not going golfing. You're going now. to play golf, and it drives me nuts. And I know some. I'm going to offend somebody here, and I really it's a personal thing. It doesn't mean I don't like you personally, but it drives me nuts when someone says, "Oh, are you going boating this weekend?" Boating? No, boating. we're going in the boat or going out in the boat, but I'm not going boating. There's no such thing in my boating. language. <laughs> Anyways, all right. anything else piss us off before we take a break here? Yeah, let's get it all out. The airing of grievances. <laughs> well, with all that said, let's, early let's, June. let's end this with something good. It is National Best Friends Day. Hey. So as we go to break, we can collectively friends. sing. Right? There you go. Because we're the three best friends friends that anyone ever had. Yeah, we're going to the three best friends. All right. So uh, if you have a best friend, you know, uh, call him or her and tell them you love them. And uh, if you don't, if you're one of those people that claims somebody is your best friend, but but you're not their best friend, call them anyways. I know people like that. Oh, by the way, I do have something else that pissed me off. Oh, my tagline today. They've changed the venue of, and day of bingo. Oh, that's oh, awesome. It is that. now yeah, was, yeah. At, at a mm-hmm. place called Game On. Oh, that's a nice name. Yeah. It's Game better on, than that. Uh, what was that other place called? Mug Shots? <laughs> Doesn't sound like a joint <laughs> I want to be in, but. Um, and uh, <laughs> it is tonight. So, going to go try to win some hey, flow. Man. Didn't I meet you in the clink years ago? You sure did. Thursday. You want to meet me down at Mug Shots? That sounds Beep. like a plan. That's right. Beef <laughs> What's well, funny is Mug Shots has a beef sandwich. You me in the clink one time? <laughs> they'd sell Mr. Beef's beef sandwiches. Mr. Beef? It's like, like we've all locked you in Mr. Dumpster? Beef for years. I got out. And now we have Mr. Beef cooking his that? delicious beef right here at Mug Shots. Phil, do you remember that? Us every day. <laughs> Old school? I got out. Yeah. Jeez. Didn't we lock you in a dumpster one time? I got out. I oh. got out. They got out. <laughs> Get out now. That's Francis. my twin, Jeremy Piven, my man. Piven. Which by the way, man, we uh, need to We yeah. need to get the Dan band to play the the VIP Carolina Rise tailgate. From oh. from from old school. Easy on the turn around. Easy every now and then. Well, if it's if you're gonna do an old school band, why don't you just get Snoop? He's right over your left shoulder. You he, know him because I know how much he cost. He explained <laughs> it when I met him. Uh, the guys that were running this game were like Snoop. Why do you? Why do you still smoke weed, man? They were having drinks, and they said, "I'll tell you this right now. I'll take a picture of myself with a joint." Somebody puts it on a poster. That's one hundred eighty thousand dollars. 
Why wouldn't I do that? It's all about the money, G. Man. And he talks just like he raps. Oh, I. By I, the way. Yeah, I've heard that. He's like, man, I, I've been. They're like, this is JC for 24 7 sports. Man, what you think about my quarterback? And his quarterback on his team was Josh Rosen, who was a first round draft pick of the oh, yeah. Cardinals, by the way. <laughs> played at UCLA. And I went straight into like, like straight up, like, uh, TV mode, you know, did my best Mike Morgan impersonation. I was like, well, you know, he's got a very strong arm, but he's he's six foot four, very athletic, good feet, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, shit, man, maybe I get to get up on your radar. And they oh, took God. a picture, and then he's like, sure, dog. And he put his arm around me and did the one, and I was like, and look at my face. I'm just like, I can't even believe it. I'm staring directly into the sun. I didn't <laughs> actually have a double chin then, but it looks like I did. I'm like, eh. Air God, Snoop Dogg. Oh my God! What you think about my quarterback, man? What you think about my quarterback? <laughs> I love it. Well, can we? Uh, well, this all yeah, right. <laughs> Do you mind if we hit a timeout so we don't scare off the? Let's hit a timeout. Anybody that's left here. Um, you know, Bink to wants to go uh, streaking with the Carolina Rise members. I'm out for that. Uh, Craig wants the band from Sling Blade. No thanks. And uh, Sonder eats Taste of India and Nurlep. Um, I would rather not end up like Ben Stiller in that movie with Jennifer Aniston. So you're on your own there. Oh, um, with uh, with uh, so Philip Seymour Hoffman. When they a, long, a, a long game, Polly. <laughs> a long game, when Polly. He said, he's trying to get into the bathroom, and he tries to open the door, and the guy goes, "Taken. I'm going to be in here all night, man." <laughs> <laughs> Taken. I'll be here all night, man. Oh, okay. So somebody so asked that, about Coach O having a conversation we're hit a with timeout because when we return, when Blake Cooper is set USC to, in Los Angeles, to get off of all of this. Uh, Phil, you have control. Please take us to break anytime now. Please Whenever you're ready. Thank you, Coach Joe. We may catch you on the other side of this. Please go to the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services. Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271. Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Joe will you? And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. 
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go game packs. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Cole Messina from the Yardcocks. Electric Bikes of Charleston powers inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be sure to check them out online or in Mount Pleasant. Go Gamecocks. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Blake Cooper here very soon. Yep, he should be uh, join us just to talk about some Florida. Yeah, shouldn't be very much he's, longer. He's Looking re- ahead to tomorrow, Stuart Lake and Derek Scott on the yep. program. Derek will be in uh, Gainesville, uh, joining That's us from right. Gainesville tomorrow. I don't know if he'll be up in the press box yet, but he'll be there uh, at uh, 12 o'clock tomorrow. We got Stuart at 11.20 tomorrow and Derek at 12. That's right. Live oh, it's the, interesting. Uh, national sports news: Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick resigned, retired, and immediately got replaced by an NBC Sports executive. <laughs> interesting. Oh, so He's leaving the building. So that's been in the works for a while, then, huh? Yeah. He's had some interesting things to say about the future of college sports. That you know. Kind of lend credence to some of the talk about the super conferences and. And all that, so um, I thought that yeah. was uh, that was an interesting move. Well, that is very interesting. As a matter of fact, um, he's a guy that I, I I'm just not one that's been. Um, uh, I haven't fallen in line over the years with the rest of the pack. That Notre Dame always has to have representation in every single conversation. You know, hey man, you know you want to. You want to have a real conversation, fully join a league. I mean, I know in basketball, I know in every sport but football, they're in the ACC. But they're not in a conference in football. But yet every time there's a conversation to be had, Notre Dame has a representative there. I, I, why doesn't Army? Hmm. Well, why Army did, lost its branding. If it why doesn't BYU? Army would. Though they're joining the league now. Yeah. BYU's uh, actually pretty valuable. It's just uh, they're not they're not a valuable bowl team because their fan base doesn't party. Yeah. Like there there there's no gathering at the dollar beer tent of the the, the Cougar fans. You know they're that, now they'll they'll uh, take the hell out of a over a, take take a Chili's over in a heartbeat. You know, hey, but I like Chili's. They, they're not going to see Chili's. Phil though. They're not getting a drink from Phil. That's right. So, not sitting at the bar, and, uh, but they uh, 
No, well, look, I've always he's implying that y'all don't party at Chili's. Oh, I, I know. I don't, don't, I don't party at Chili's. I, you know, just like facilitate like the party at Chili's. 16 beers at Chili's. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. Uh, no, uh, I, I've never been a Notre Dame hater, probably because I, I grew up. My dad really respected Lou Holtz, and uh, Tony Rice was from Woodruff, which was right down the road for me. And, you know, kind of grew up in the 80s, and, you know, Lou, Lou took the job. And I've always respected Notre Dame, and obviously – yeah, I got in trouble yesterday for not respecting Notre Dame, uh, so I have to do it here. But I, I get it because if you if you go to another country and you talk about college football in the United States, Notre Dame is really the first thing that comes up because they're just uh, they're just that kind of a brand, and they have they have uh, fans all over the country. But uh, now, do I have the greatest respect for how they, they have done things over the years and remained independent and not joined the league and, you know, thought of themselves in a certain manner. Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit, uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a conversation that I would probably be on the other side of, but I'm like, I'm like not a Notre Dame hater, you know, in a lot of ways people like up here, people either love Notre Dame or they, they hate Notre Dame. I hate Notre Dame bad. So uh, there's really no in between. So I, I'm not as passionate either way, but I've always had a healthy respect for them as a program. And I, I think programs like that that are unique are, are part of what makes college football special. I mean, Notre Dame football got to where it was because Michigan wouldn't play them. They wouldn't play the little Catholic school in Indiana. And so their coaches got them on a train in the 20s and 30s and took them around the country. And then that that led to the Gipper and all that Newt Rock Newt freaking Rockney and the Four Horsemen. Right, we're gonna hit him from the left. I'm gonna get up like Rudy. We're gonna hit from the left. We're gonna hit him from the right. And then of course Rudy. I, I like I'd Rudy. Probably, I, I, if well, I'd have known him, I'd have probably wanted to smack him. I'd have been like Vince Vaughn in that movie. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this butthole this as like it's a Super Bowl. Can we take a moment of silence for Robert here with the comment of the day? It wasn't Chili's fault, but the last time I went there, my date was morbidly depressed. Hard to forget. (laughs) Is this life? I hate that. It kind of reminds me of that scene from the Santa Claus where he's trying to find a wife and she starts singing and he's like, scared me a little. (laughs) She left him. Well, let's bring in Blake. Robert, Robert. We got yeah, sorry, really part apologize for that, but nonetheless, uh, we'll put the past behind us and turn the page to the future with a guy who knows a little bit about the past, Blake Cooper. Yeah, I was gonna say, we'll put the, the past behind us and talk to uh, a guy who, uh... well, our immediate past, these ridiculous conversations we've somehow carried on for the last 10 minutes. This guy, though, mowed everybody down that he faced in four years at South Carolina, and they wouldn't have won their first college world series without him. He is the pitching coach at the Citadel. He's an All-American, and he is the last on the totem pole in his household, and I know that feeling very well. Blake Cooper uh, joining us to talk about the Gamecocks and look back 13 years ago with us for a little bit. What's up, dude? 13 years ago. Man, we got old quick. (laughs) (laughs) It don't take long, that's for sure. No, 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 it doesn't. You know, it uh, it goes quick. But, hey, man, you know, you're still in the game. The rest of us have to use a microphone to stay around. 
Yeah, I feel like, you know, every time I talk to you, I'm in my car driving around watching high school games. Well, you are, like right now. <laughs> I am. I just left one, headed to another. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you find the the next Nick Sprouse, as I told you. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Coop, thanks, man. Appreciate it. We, we won't keep you very long. Um, well, we might. We might keep you 20 minutes so JC doesn't get to do any more impressions of random people today but um last weekend you know what certainly want to talk to you about 2010 and we'll get there but to start it off with this group here last weekend they seemingly got it right um we know what they're walking into this weekend much different than than central connecticut state north carolina state in campbell but just watching those guys play for three straight days at founders park what did you take away uh, from what they had been through the previous month of the year. Yeah, I think if you, you know, obviously they went through a struggle there, but if you look at, you know, what made them good was having guys back in their lineup that they had this weekend. Um, and then obviously playing home has a huge deal. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's one thing when you're playing on their side and you're playing in Founders Park, but it's another when you're in the other dugout, which I've gotten to experience. Um and then obviously it's another dimension when you're in the stands. So, yeah. you know, it, you don't really understand it until you're on the other part of it, the other side of it, playing it with another team. Uh, man, it's 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 hard to win at Founders Park, regardless of the team that's in that you know in that park. So, I think number one, they're starting to get healthy again as far as offensively goes. Um, you know, they're a team that on for very long. So. You just know you know a punch is coming. You don't know when. You don't know you know how much, how hard it's going to hurt, but it's coming. So um, for them, it you know I feel like once they get a little momentum going, everybody in that lineup hits. And obviously, you've got Mahoney, who's been good down the down the stretch, um, and obviously being able to get get Sanders back in there at the end of the game with you know not a lot of pressure, but he can get back in and kind of feel feel his way through there and be prepared for this weekend. So that's as good as they've played all year. Um, it's good to see their bats come back alive. It's good to see McGillis get back in there and pretty much, you know, start where he left off when he got hurt, you know. So I think for them, man, two, two hitters in there that haven't been in there the last, you know, few weeks makes a huge difference just for that lineup. The McGillis situation, if you could walk us through that as a pitching coach, um, you know, he doesn't being in that lineup. He doesn't necessarily have to go out there and get two or three knocks a game. Coop, what's the importance of having a a good leadoff guy? What does it do to the opposing staff? Well, I think you know when you've got a guy in there that can really set the tone early. Um, he's not just a guy that can that can steal and run bases like most leadoff guys do, but he's another guy that's dangerous in that lineup that can hit for power, that can hit for doubles play solid defense so he's just he's another scary threat in the lineup so it really forces you to you know pretty much pitch to contact when you get to seven eight nine six so what happens is when the top of your lineup's so good you know it it makes the bottom of your lineup even better than what they should be because you're 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 giving into them a little bit more because you don't want to get back to the top of their lineup so you know you're talking from a, a strategic you know setup that that really what what kind of gets you going, um, and then obviously you know you got some other guys in the lineup that hurt you as well. But you know he he's a huge part of their success. Um, 
the biggest thing is when you got multiple guys in a lineup that that can leave. You know, there's a lot. There's not a lot of. Um, you know, you can't really relax much. So it takes out guys that you know shouldn't really be in there as early as they are. Um, obviously, you love to get the experience, but you need older guys in there with knowledge and and being able to play in in tough situations with experience in the postseason. So. You know, that's a huge deal, man. Those guys can really hurt you if, if you fall behind. And the biggest thing about, you know, we talked about it last week was, you know, NC State, man, they don't, they didn't walk. But like I talked, I talked about playing at Founders Park, you know, South Carolina is a team that, you know, they force the other team to do things they don't normally do. So you look at, you know, NC State's pitching staff, and the only reason I know that is because we played them earlier in the year, man, they just pound the zone, and this weekend they did not do it. So, and I think that's got a lot to do with the ability to lead the yard and also the crowd and the atmosphere at Founders Park. Blake Cooper, former All-American, and uh, by the way, former Chicago Cub, JC, even though you're a White Sox guy. But, uh, all right, so you're a Cubs guy, Phil. That's right. We'll get you you an autograph. What are you charging for autographs now, Coop? (laughs) Just whatever the pen costs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> how much you got <laughs> how much you got yeah i uh the pitching side of things i think one of the more interesting uh not discussions but more interesting things to look out for is what they do with will because i i you know when he came in last week um uh, you know he it looked like he was you know a hundred percent um, his velo looked good, Coop. He threw, gosh, what, seven or eight out of every ten pitches he threw seemed like it was a slider, but it, it did have a lot of bite to it, and it did look good, and he just looked like um, he was kind of empty in the tank. And and so I just – I don't know what they're pl- – I don't think they're planning on starting him, at least as of now. If they do, maybe it would be in a game three type role. But if he does come out of the bullpen – is there anything last week that you saw that kind of, as a pitching coach, leads you to believe that they, they kind of know what they're planning on doing with him this weekend? And, and is it a role that you feel like is better suited for him than than starting like he has been mostly throughout the year? Well, I think, you know, you, you look at it as a whole, and obviously, it, it, you know, it's tough when you lose a couple of guys, especially that you're counting on. Oh, but what it does is it strengthens the guys around him that didn't, that wasn't really, you know, getting their share of innings or, or pitches or pitching in tough situations. So it made those guys around him better. And now the fact that you're getting some of those guys back, you know, you got him and then plus you've got some of the guys that were pitching behind him that had to kind of step up. But, you know, as a starter, obviously you're going to throw a lot more fastballs just because um, you're really trying to establish that. You're trying to get through. You're trying to not expose your stuff. As, um, you know, and obviously what was good to see about him was I thought that his breaking ball had some bite to it, which, you know, a lot of guys when they start struggling, they get fatigued. You kind of lose the bite on all of your pitches. So that was the biggest thing for me was watching him pitch. Um, and we talked about it earlier in the year was, you know, it's all speed just – didn't look as sharp as it has in the past and I thought that a few weeks off there you know going into that game it was really good and I think the plan with him this weekend was man we're gonna we're gonna throw our best stuff early as we can and often as we can and um try to be open so 
Yeah, like I said, those other guys have stepped up. You're talking about Eli Jones, who's another guy that started against us, was kind of, you know, in and out of there earlier in the year, and he's really stepped up and been really big down the stretch. So, you know, I think if you, either one of those guys right now looks sharp, um, but like I said, it looked like to me that, you know, they like Will out of the pen just because his all speed looks really sharp. All right, final quick pitching question for you this weekend. I I mentioned earlier these guys. This is something personal, personally that I've been thinking about all week. If Hicks gets the ball in game one, which is expected, um, I think the the strike zone tomorrow night is going to be something that really matters, Coop, um, because Hicks is it. Florida's a powerful team. They've hit 126 home runs this year. They're hitting almost 300 as a club. You know they're they're um, the best teams in the SEC mash and. Florida's one of the best teams in the SEC, and just like Carolina and LSU and everybody else, that's what they want to do. But James Hicks is best when he's getting that that kneecap-type strike called and maybe when the zone is expanded just a little bit. Um, but he can pitch if he's just getting that low strike. He, he's good at getting a bunch of ground balls and keeping the ball in the yard. The flip side is Florida, as great as their arms are, and all future draft picks – if it's a tight zone, they have they have shown they'll put some guys on base. And that's what got them beating Columbia back in April when the Gamecocks swept them. They walked 24 combined times in those three games. So I just figured I'd bring that up because you've been calling pitches all year long against what seemingly is a tighter strike zone. And uh, tomorrow night, I think that's going to be important here. Yeah, I think obviously that's the one, the one glaring thing you look at is pretty much – you know, I've seen, uh, you know, you're talking about Caglione, who's obviously really good offensively, but he's got a live arm on the mound. But he's been a guy that, you know, there's been innings in there. He can't get through innings, whether that's the first, whether that's the fourth. You just never know. And pretty much when it happens, it happens, and they get him out of there. So, um, but but you go back to Sinker guy, Sink never goes in a slump. And that that's – you know, I had I had a pro guy tell me one time, one of our pitching coordinators, um, actually it was our head coach, Andy Green, who was the head coach for the Padres for a while. He was my head coach in AA, and he told me, he said, man, I never worry about sinker guys. They're always going to be around a three ERA, and they're always going to win for you. So, obviously, the key for him any day is keeping the ball down. Um, but, obviously, an offensive team like Florida, they're, they're going to get their swings off. So, it could be good obviously, for those guys. Um, but like I said, Sink never goes in a slump, man. If they play good defense behind him, it could be it could be a really quick game for him uh, just because of how many ground balls he can get. Um, but obviously, you know, looking at their pin, you know, I think the key for the, for the weekend is the fact that it all depends on – I think the starters will cancel out on both sides. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to look at bullpens. And if Florida – if Florida can piece it together on the beat, um, but obviously, you know, their struggles have been that bullpen. So if you can force the starters out of the game early and get that bullpen in there, man, you got a, you got a huge shot, especially the way the ball flies there and the the amount of power that's throughout the South Carolina lineup. Coop, back in 2010, y'all went to Coastal to get to Omaha and then – won the World Series. Um, having the conversation, it, it, oh, you know, it's pretty easy. I mean, you ju- you're just – you're just, it, it, it really was. Just, oh, it was easy, I know. That's actually the 
uh, the only time ever that a Gamecock baseball team has gone on the road and won a Super Regional. Uh, they are one and five, I think, outside of that, hoping to be two and five after the weekend. But um, it's been brought up, and I think you and I have had these conversations before, not like on the air, just talking about how good that coastal team was. And and I've heard a cup. I've heard I, I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm pretty sure you were one of them. You and a couple of different guys on that team. Jay is I know mentioned it and Enders and bunch of dudes who've said that's the best team we played that year. Was it the best team you played in 2010, Coastal? By far. That, I mean, that, you know, and like Coach Tanner did all year, um, you know, we were pretty much the underdogs every game we played. Um, but I can remember that game and Coach Calvi talking about, you know, Offensive in the Big South, we play in the SEC, you know, all these things kind of motivate us. Um, but you look at their lineup, and I play with a bunch of them in the minor leagues and, you know, pro ball. So, you know, Tommy LaStella, big league career, played second for him. Taylor Motter was a shortstop, an all-star. Um, you know, they, they had Rico Noel played center. They had, I mean, their, their entire lineup played professionally. Um, yeah. you know, Cody Wheeler was their Friday guy. Anthony Mayo was another second round big leagues. I mean, there's guys, Brian Fleet, who got at Christian Walker at the home run off of another pro guy. So they, they were an SEC caliber team at the top of our league. Not only that was they stole bases. So you had two guys in that lineup that had over 120 stolen bases combined in two guys. So you're talking about one guy with 55 and another guy with 65 or somewhere around in there. So, you know, you look back at those stats, they're unbelievable. Um, and they, they just pitched it really well. And, you know, remember, you know, that first game I pitched, we had a ball, double play ball, bases loaded, fifth or sixth inning, double play balls hit off me, Wingo falls over the bag, makes turns a double play. I mean, one of the, the greatest plays I've ever seen happen. So, um, yeah, they were by far the best team I thought we played offensively. Obviously, pitching-wise, we faced better throughout the year. And, you know, Sonny Gray and, you know, Pomerantz and those guys. So, we were weathered to face, you know, guys like that, especially, you know, once we got into World Series. But offensively, man, they were – they played hard. They had a chip on the shoulder just because they were at Coastal Carolina. Um, and they, they played the game well. They played good defense. They pitched. They hit for power. Um, and they had a lot of pro guys on their team. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people forget that that Walker Grand Slam, while it gave gave y'all the lead to win the game, you know, you did have to win the game before that, which is the game that you pitched four to three. I might add, uh, I think you gave up what two, was it two earned or three run three earned in that game? You remember? I got. I can't remember. I just two you know, three over over second base bag. Well, I mean, it was. I believe it was a it was a tie game two two at that time, and they were threatening. Um, and they, I believe, it was a kid that hit a home run off of me early in the game up, and he hit a ball right over, you know, right off my glove up the middle. Wingo dives, laying on the bag, throws it to first, turns double play. So, um, but yeah, like I said, they were, yeah, I think they were twenty seven and zero in conference that year. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. And I can remember after we won that series. Coach Calvary's like, hey, I didn't want to tell you all this, but they were the best offense we faced all year. Well, I mean, he wasn't lying. They hit 324 as a club. 
Uh, they hit 111 home runs that year as well, which is right before everybody started, you know, taking the pop out of all the bats. But you mentioned that, and you just don't see this anymore, Blake, not at this level. 161 stolen bases. 161. Uh, Noel, and was it Woodward? Woodward? Uh, yeah, the Woodward kid. Yeah. yeah. Which could, could not hear. He was a, he was deaf yet, I believe. He was? I yeah, I believe so. Whew. Yep. Wow. They had dudes on that team. So, we'll wrap it up on this, Coop, and we'll let you go, you know, do your day job, which is what they pay you to do, find kids and coach them. Um, it's. I don't want to say it's a similar situation because you know they they are different. Everything's different. Um, Carolina did sweep Florida this year in the regular season. I I think that's a good thing. Walking into the series, not a bad thing. Some people are like, "Oh God, I would." You know, it's hard to beat a team X number of times. Well, it's it's a lot easier to play a series you know that you've already beaten them three times too. At least I believe it to be in baseball. Um, what are they walking into this weekend? When when y'all walked into that series collectively as a group, and I know there was a bunch of different dudes on that roster. That's why I won a couple of national championships. But this team's got some of that, too. Um, how do you walk into a Super Regional on the road and just go play ball? Well, the good thing is, you know, it's a place that a lot of those guys have been there before. So it's not something that's unfamiliar. Um, it's a team they've played before, so they know their guys. Uh, the biggest thing is to kind of you know, just stay in the moment and play the game. I mean, that's that that literally is, I believe, what you know, Coach Tanner really got out of us was to just kind of stay in the moment, which is hard to do. Yeah. But you know, thing is, just play the game the way it is and let the chips fall where they may. Uh, if you put too much on it, then things you get out of what you do best. Uh, I think if you try to do too much, then you pretty much go backwards. Um, but a situation where both teams are playing well. Um, and it's going to be a lot to do with, you know, how it all starts. And you got to get off to a hot start. You got to play well. You got to play clean. Um, and like I said, a lot of times, South Carolina usually, you know, when they're going well, they impose their will on other teams and other teams, they don't really go winning. So in college baseball, it's not about the team that, that makes the great plays, hits the home runs, and goes and wins the game. It's usually you put pressure on the other team and they lose it. So, um, you know, you look at Campbell, who they just played. Man, they could, they struggled to just play defense. Yeah. Um, and I think that's got a lot of of what, what was going on but and the magnitude of it. And I think that, you know, when you play at South Carolina, there's a lot of pressure to win. All right? So, you know, uh, so I think that that factor of it is out of the equation when it comes to the players because you're in it every day. And I don't think any other program in the country expects – winning as much as South Carolina does, especially on the diamond. So just because, you know, as a fan, we feast for it so much, and that's, you know, that's pretty much, you know, the tradition of the baseball program. But like I said, I think they're both hot teams. Um, I think they've been before, you know, and I think, you know, being on the losing side of things, I think Florida knows that, man, we just got our butt kicked three times in a row. Man, we beat them three times in a row. It's going to be hard to beat them another two times. I think it feels worse when you've gotten your butt kicked by a team three times than if you've won the series. So, I agree. Uh, you know, they, it's hard. You don't remember the winning a lot. You, you always fall back to the games you lost. 
So, and I think that they really got their butt kicked in that series. And I also know that, you know, those bullpen guys struggled and they're not going to forget it. So, um, you know, it's going to be a tough series, but man, I really think it's got to do a lot with how far. Coach King told us a couple of days ago, he said the, the, both of these teams are Omaha teams, but only one of them is going to get the chance to go there. And, um, Hopefully it's South Carolina. Coop, we'll let you run on that note. Great stuff, man. Really do appreciate you squeezing us in. And um, and uh, well, I guess I guess I'll see you tomorrow. So looking forward to that too. Hopefully we bring good luck. Yep. <laughs> All right, sounds good. I appreciate it, guys. All right, dude. Thanks. See you. Thank you, Blake Cooper, one of the uh, two best right-handed pitchers to ever play in South Carolina. The other one's name is Kip Baltnight. Stats. Back and we talked to him too. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Kip, believe it or not, is in Maui. Is he really? Yeah. We nice. texted him last night. <laughs> I mean, he'll be watching the games, of course. But, yeah, he, it's – it's most yeah, he's in Maui. I said, like, Hawaii? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, Maui, Georgia. <laughs> Ma- like, but I- welcome to Maui, Georgia. It's right welcome there, Helen. Maui, Georgia. Yeah. You go through that Oktoberfest there at Helen, take a left, you get to Maui. It's Hawaiian mountain fun all the time. Yes, you right. go down to Intertube and the river there, and from Helen, and you get to Maui. How about that? I uh, I agree with what he said there. I, I, I think yeah. winning a series – is and that's much more had they dropped that series this year i'd be much more fearful going into this thing but uh, we'll see what happens no doubt and good stuff like pressures on the gators more than the gamecocks going oh i think it is too yeah, yeah absolutely i totally because mm-hmm. you yeah. got that hanging over your head too it was like you're the team that got swept yeah. <laughs> you know it was like oh damn totally agree totally yeah. agree the, the only thing i will say the only thing i will say is after Veach closed game three and he looked at their dugout and went one, <laughs> two, three. That's why yeah. you don't do stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But <laughs> oh, I, sure as hell, I sure as hell hope this weekend he just gets to stop it too. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I just am not a fan of stuff like that, man. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Hey, you may shape out to where we don't even – where Veach isn't even a factor this weekend. By the way, the Tennessee thing, and we haven't talked a lot about it. I'm so tired of hearing about it. Okay, look, here's the thing. All right, you put in a bid before the postseason begins. All right, you put in a bid. Okay, you hear me? You put a freaking bid in. They got outbid. So it's not like they were just picked over. Someone goes, well, you know what? I, I think we should screw the balls. That's not what happened. They got outbid. So if they want to blame each other, Blame their own administration. They got outbid. Southern Miss had a better bid. It's your own fault. Your ballpark still sucks. It ain't got any better. All right? Sorry. Tough Just luck. Just to show they don't care about baseball in Knoxville. Tough luck. <laughs> they do when they're winning. They do. Yeah. They care. They, they're one of those schools that when they're winning in any sport, if it's golf, they're all on the golf course singing yeah. Rocky Top. That's right. Rocky yeah. Top would always be gavels. That's the, that's the only state I've ever been to that thinks there's a difference between a toothbrush and a teeth brush. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like Tennessee. 
I'm just kidding. I, I, I enjoy Tennessee. I'm heading. I'm heading to Tennessee here in less than a month for a vacay. Yeah, I enjoy oh. Tennessee. I, I like Tennessee. But I'm just tired of hearing about it, man. You got outbid, dude. That's what happened. There's nothing else to talk about. I mean, yeah, but people people that aren't like so Tennessee's probably not used to going to the baseball postseason like they have been recently. Well, so they, they need to step up and the tell them what happened. Hey, we submitted a bid that, and we didn't that, get chosen. That's one thing South Carolina would always do under when Mike McGee was the AD and Tanner was the coach. They Carolina's bids were always top notch. Absolutely. Know? And then uh, you know, Carolina did put in a strong bid in twenty twenty one when they got the host and yeah. I know they sort of backed into it, but um well, that's but what you it, gotta do. And, and so so all of you out there that think Danny White is the the Lord Jesus savior of athletic directors, there you go. He's human too. Didn't right. put in a good enough bid for old Lindsey <laughs> Nielsen bid, Stadium in glorious Knoxville. I mean, got out bid by Southern Mississippi. I, I was going to say about Tennessee, though. You think in football they're going to remember Spencer Rattler counting the six touchdowns last year? Yeah. On the I, think, I, I think they are. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Yeah, I think uh, – I, I think we'll have another good game up there, though. I, I don't – I'm not buying their defense, Tennessee. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Hot takes. We'll talk about this more later, but Carolina, the more I think about it, the more Carolina's – Carolina has played better defense this season. I mean, oh, they, they have a good time getting turnovers and being an exciting defense and all, but they, they've got to play consistently better defense this year. Well – It's it's time for them to do that. If they want to win the number of games that they would like to win. Well, the turnover thing is scary because, you know, I mean, the natural – there's always going to be regression to the mean. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to sustain that, but – you know, last, last year you early, could stop the run. Yeah. You could, you know, try. <laughs> if you don't mind. Which, I mean, if you know, if it's not too much to ask y'all. Hey guys, when when they handle the ball, you're allowed to tackle them. You know, yeah, you, you can. Yeah, but you don't so have you, to give them six, seven yards. Yeah, you could do it as soon as you can. Like you don't have to. It's all right. I have a hunch the new defensive line coach is gonna. Yeah, he's going to have something. To yeah, he's probably going to have a bit of a yeah, bit ready of a to there. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, yeah. I think they seem to remember uh, him being fairly decent. By the way, I, I haven't shared this all week. Uh, and Cam, good question. Um, it, uh, we'll we'll answer that tomorrow, okay? But um, uh, you don't have to have a quote nice stadium, but um, but yeah, you you just you, there's just a couple of components to it. Generally, if you deserve it, you're going to get it. But, um, but, yeah, there's a couple other things that matter. But uh, last Sunday in Columbia, I, you know, I'm trying to buy time to figure out what to do before I go to the ballpark. So I went and walked the Riverwalk, which is spectacular. For anybody that hadn't been there in a while on the West Columbia, Casey side, it's I walked it almost two hours, and it was just awesome. And I'm walking, and I, I walked. Literally, I've got my head down, and I look up and almost walked into somebody. I said, holy, Don Staley. <laughs> <laughs> Walked right into her. She had her headphones on. Kind of looked at me like, get the hell out of the way, you know? And I was like, Coach, I'm sorry about that. And she just kind of looked, and I told her I was. She didn't recognize me. Of course, why not? Why would she? Oh, by, by the but way. But we thought, since she said, well, that's great. Hope you're well. That was cool. By the way, um, uh, tomorrow is episode number 199 of the show. 199? Well, 200 will be our kickoff to Omaha, I hope. That's right. That would be sweet. Yeah. Oh, what a good way to do it. I don't remember. I think Jamie came in at like 109, so we're almost to 100 with Jamie. But, uh, okay. All right. Nice. There you go. 
Well, tomorrow, as Phil pointed out earlier, Derek Scott, Stuart Lake will prime you and get you ready to roll for Carolina and Florida in their 14th Super Regional, which is third all-time in college baseball. For Blake Cooper and Chris Phillips and J.C. Sherbert and the one and only Phil Mullinax, I am J.B. from the Sinorama Studios and powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. This is Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We'll see you tomorrow.